0: Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Trapper, and Michael Palmer along with you at the start here as we talk about an interesting topic. Coursera has the Global Skills Index, a benchmark of 60 countries and 10 industries uh, that is talking about what is happening around the world from a skills perspective. We'll dive
1: into that. Mike, always like to hear. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. I, I remember talking about this report or a similar report in previous years, uh, and I remember saying, which is still true, you need those 21st century skills to pay those 21st century bills. So uh, I thought this uh, good job by Coursera. Uh, you know, we've talked about the the return of the MOOCs. Uh, how don't don't call it a comeback. Uh, they're not gone yet. Uh, so the MOOCs are coming back, and Coursera is a, a central player in that mix. And uh, it's nice to see them starting to uh, synthesize and report out on the The emerging data that they're getting from their platform um, which uh, which is really where this index comes from, and it paints a pretty interesting picture of the world around us so uh, so I think we tend to be somewhat uh, domestic in our focus uh, you know around the US and uh, I think this puts some of that uh, that orientation um, perhaps into question and it certainly puts the us into the broader global perspective. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm, we're always honing our 21st century skills because Lord knows those 21st century bills don't go away. If anything, they just get bigger. So uh, let's keep upskilling. Uh, yeah.
0: They keep growing. What I, from a contextual standpoint, what I, I think is worth mentioning is how much data Coursera has, right? Being how big a company they are and how global they are. Uh, I think we've made mention here on, on the podcast and you see it a lot in, talking about Facebook or Twitter or any of these sites, how much data they have and how that is worth a lot too. Not just the transactions you do on the site, but what's going on behind the scenes matters a lot. So Coursera taking the time to use this data and to try to figure out where skills are and what exactly is happening. Now, obviously they can turn around and then offer certain courses to certain areas and make sure they're marketing correctly. But I do think it informs a conversation here around what's happening next and where the skills uh, may diminish. I think you make a great point, Mike, about we are typically, and I think, Brendan, you have discussed this before, US-centric, North American-centric in thinking. I think it was during the Holon IQ uh, discussion. Uh, There's a lot going on outside of our area uh, that can inform a lot of what could happen here in the future or what we're doing now could inform what's happening there in the future. And I think Coursera sets uh, the scene here uh, for a lot of that. It's not... I don't think it's an overly surprising in in what it's saying, but having all this information in one place is is interesting and intriguing to discuss. Um, What was your big top level takeaway? What was your, your first takeaway uh, from what Coursera is trying to do?
1: Sure, uh, one takeaway, and we've talked about this a bit, and I think we're gonna try to cover uh, data science in some more depth uh, soon, is that data science has really uh, skyrocketed yep. uh, into the, the, the broader consciousness in the last two to three years. Uh, and I think that's coincided with a lot of the futurist uh, thinking around artificial intelligence and uh, the way uh, the future of work is gonna be disrupted by automation so um so I think that's uh fascinating and uh really interesting that Coursera um, really classifies three categories of skills: one is business uh one is uh technology and then one is data science and uh, I thought that was interesting that data science has now emerged as a separate category from technology, and uh it's very much reflective of how uh Everything is about your data nowadays and uh, skills that are related to uh, quantitative competency and the ability to uh, scrape a lot of data, mine it and come up with insights uh, is is very much uh, a, a set of competencies that are on the rise. And then related to that is that those competencies should blend into more uh, AI um, training and uh, Bot development, uh, automation uh, skills, and competent—you know—neural networks and and all right. of the emerging buzzwords. Um, I think that's really that's really interesting. First off, and then secondly, uh, it's that the U.S. is less prominent in the conversation, at least based on the data that uh, that Coursera is pulling here. You know, uh, Europe uh, is really dominating the cutting edge component of this index. Um, the U.S. is kind of middle of the pack, and uh, the U.S. isn't even ahead of uh, Canada in North America. Um, all those things I thought were were interesting and telling. Um, I'm not sure how much it's reflective of usage patterns around Coursera yep. rather than uh, broader trends uh, in in the world in its entirety. But one of the one of the places where MOOCs have realized the most of their potential is by providing access to people in the broader world who are seeking out uh, these emerging competencies, these emerging skills. So things that might be built into uh, workforce development and on-the-job training in, uh, say, your, your, sort of, your more cutting edge uh, domestic US companies aren't gonna be as available to the uh, emerging and developing worlds and in those places, people will have access to the internet. They're going to find Coursera, yep. and I think that's part of why. I don't think it's it's an entire it, it, it's not a it's not a full excuse for why the U.S. is is being surpassed in some places, but it might be somewhat reflective of the power of globalized uh, education platforms like Coursera, opening up access uh, in places where folks may not have had it otherwise, right. uh, and then it ties a little bit to the idea of digital readiness. Like it seems like Scandinavia and uh, parts of Western Europe, uh, even Eastern Europe, it was nice to see Poland, uh, you know, Poland, Argentina, uh, Israel is, is is crushing it on based on these in indices. Um, it is interesting to see who's getting it right yep. and try to understand what can we learn from them. But I think frequently the folks who are getting it right have populations who are digitally enabled and then are aware that they can upskill and uh, make themselves more employable, more cutting edge by tapping into platforms like Coursera. Um, I think that's really interesting. And I think in the U.S., um, in many ways, we're still more closely tied to the traditional model of higher education and skill development. And even in the U.S., um, you know, the the boot camp movement. Mm-hmm. Has been emerging to sort of fill this need. So I think more likely in the US, uh, folks who want to reskill, upskill will attend a boot camp, whereas in other parts of the world, they might not have access to those boot camps. So they may be more likely to use um, Coursera like assets. Um, it does paint an interesting picture. And I would, uh, just like a lot of the other reports we've been talking about lately, I, I think they do a nice job of uh, charting and visual display of information. Uh, I'm a big Edward Tufte fan, and uh, you know, quantitative the visual display of quantitative information, a great book for those of you guys who haven't heard of Edward Tufte, T-U-F-T-E. But, um, but I thought there were interesting visualizations in this uh, report. Uh, it's another one, I think this one is about 50 pages. Yep, exactly. So, um, you know, we've been sort of uh, swimming in reporting and data That's lately. True. Um, but, uh, but I think, you know, it's, you know, we talked about on the Mika report, how everyone's, uh, drinking directly from the fire hose these days. Um, reports like this, I think are hugely relevant, um, and they're relevant regardless of where you are. Like if you're, if you're just, uh, entering the workforce, you know, what, or if you're an undergrad or you're in high school, like what should you study? So you stay relevant for when you're, you're really getting that first job. And then for those of us further on in our careers, whether we're educators or, uh, you know, in uh, private sector or uh, working, whichever kind of jobs are out there, um, how do you stay relevant? Where, what, what types of skills should you brush up on? I think there's a lot to chew on uh, in here. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it both with you and then as we bring other voices in uh, to, to hear what other people have to say.
0: Welcome back. Dan, Mike, and Melissa here to discuss further on GSI, the Global Skills Index from Coursera. Melissa, we've talked in the past many times about uh, your love of data, both on and off air here for the podcast. Wondering, high level, your takes from what Coursera is doing here, what data they have available to themselves, uh, and uh, what you think will be the ongoing thing to track when it comes to this data set.
2: Uh, so, I mean, this is, for me, this was very interesting when Coursera launched this. So Coursera started in, I think, like 2012, and it's been seven years, and they now think they have amassed enough data to even put out this Global Skills Index. So I think that's very interesting. I was looking at their numbers. They did a webinar when they released this Global Skills Index that I watched, and in, in their words, I, I have no way to validate this data, 40, 40 million global learners 100,000-plus questions, and 80 million at annual attempts. That's what they're using to build this data set on, right? So relatively speaking, if you think of Link- LinkedIn, who has 500 million users, and it's also doing a similar thing with data and skills assessment, you're probably, Coursera isn't there, but they're, they're, getting, they're getting a lot of usage, and a lot of universities are signed up, and so the growth for them is exponential. So I think it's interesting, how they're what they're doing in this space
1: yeah and uh, and just to kind of build on that the the idea that uh, workforce development is sort of opening up the return of opening up for the return of the MOOCs is something we've talked a little bit about on this show, so you know the MOOCs famously uh, you know twenty twelve was the year of the the MOOC, the massive online massive open online course. Uh, a lot of folks were expecting a, a transformation of higher education in the intervening years that we didn't really see. So a lot of people started to talk about how the MOOCs really were a failed experiment. And now what we're seeing as we enter into the next decade, that the work that was done to launch a lot of these platforms, whether it's Linda, which is now part of LinkedIn, or Coursera, or Udacity, Udemy, there, there's, there's many of these platforms yeah. out there. They now can be focused rather than on higher ed, although they still have uh, a role to play in the transformation of higher ed. Increasingly, they're pointing that at workforce development, at the enterprise uh, use cases. And that's really what a lot of this report is about. So like, it's talking uh, about how uh, Coursera uses its data against a limited uh, like there's a bit of a sampling problem in how much you can learn from this data because it's only people who already are using their platform. But I think there's a lot that can be learned from the types of skills that their learners are seeking. uh, And then also the types of courses that their course providers, generally university professors are developing. And there's a little bit of a wisdom of the marketplace that's happening there too, where um, new skills are, are emerging and are popping that are, either thought of by the producers, the the, the, the professors are saying, ah, we need to focus more on this stuff. But I think increasingly, it's more the workforce itself is identifying that. And then because the MOOCs can tap into a global audience, you can start to uh, gain insights into differences between the, in this case, the Coursera population in the U.S., versus the Coursera population in other geographies, other countries. Uh, and then they do some interesting stuff around the grouping of skills, et cetera. So, so I think there's a lot to, to chew on in here.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so one, I think this, this space makes a ton of sense. And even the focus on skills is only going to become more and more. So right now we're saying let's, let's make it applicable to upskill in, the, in workforces you, you they're definitely been playing a role in higher education but you can see this going back down to like i want to give my my daughter edge as she comes out of out, uh, comes out of high school and you can see them starting to mm-hmm. push this information back because mm-hmm. the data that Coursera is going to be sitting on worldwide right they're sitting on it from an interest take. i know what professors want to teach and i know what students are coming here to learn mm-hmm. linkedin is a, going at it from a slightly different approach that will give slightly different results and be interested to see. I know what employers want and I know what students are looking for and they're putting that together. And Mm -hmm. so LinkedIn is also doing an interesting thing in this space and it will not surprise me if LinkedIn also starts to launch this information mm-hmm. to help grow their their LinkedIn Learning business as well.
1: Yeah, and not to mention uh, other sort of think tanks and research research efforts. We we did a deep dive on the Holon IQ uh, analysis, their 2030 analysis, where frequently like a many model approach is something I'm reading more about. Where like you know it's kind of like what the 538 does with a lot of its yeah. polling data. You want to pull those insights from multiple sources. What's interesting is now Coursera's GSI is becoming something to glean some information from if you could combine that information with the information you're getting from a LinkedIn or a Linda and you start pulling in other, you know, uh, other industry data, other trade data, uh, other organizations that have these big data sets. uh, It is interesting once you have a mature platform play, other strategic opportunities open up for an organization, which, you know, again, is kind of validating the, the idea that a platform strategy is really strategic. And ultimately, if you have a platform strategy, you can start to harness and monetize your data. That's very much what we're seeing with this first pass from Coursera. And then I do think they do a nice job packaging the data so that there is uh, more to dig into, uh, which I think we'll move into next but uh, but it is interesting when you abstract it a little bit um these types of inputs are really relevant yeah. and uh we'd love to continue to dig in more uh and if any of our listeners are seeing new reports like this emerge we'd love to to hear about it because we want to be a learning and education podcast that is uh staying relevant and is tapping into the the most um cutting edge emerging uh industry reports data sets etc so uh and that's another reason why we're happy to have melissa's uh keen analytical mind added to the conversation yeah yeah one of the things we started talking
0: about before we were recording here is about the united states and where we, we as a country fit in um i find from a data perspective it's intriguing to also read that it's regionally Based. And so you have some parts of the country that may drag down our overall average and how exactly we, we fit in. It may speak to more regional education issues and the like. But overall, Mike, the United States is a middling country, according to the GSI. We, we have a lot of upskilling still to come. Uh, do you have any key takeaways specifically around where the U.S. ranks and, and what maybe from a regional perspective might be hindering that or, or an overall take on exactly how uh, the U.S. could get better in the future?
1: Yeah, to me, it speaks a little bit to the sampling problem. Uh, Aside from the fact that uh, the U.S. is not always... always,
2: It's a sampling problem. It's
1: not always in a cutting-edge designation everywhere. So there are places where we are lagging behind, and that's something that we all need to be conscious of. But if you think about the types of training that are available, uh, whether it's within uh, the U.S. uh, higher ed, Programs like those institutions are are generally coveted around the world. So a lot of our um, A lot of our rising population goes through our higher ed program. So they don't necessarily need uh, Coursera In the same way and you add to that the fact that a lot of the bigger organizations in the u.s Do workforce development for their own workforce. So we were talking recently about amazon launching its own workforce development program So I think there's more of a variety of options available to folks in the U.S. So I think there could be a sampling problem to how Coursera is looking at U.S. Coursera users relative to the rest of the world. I think we probably are lagging behind. But I think it's different to understand that more broadly in terms of all of the the educational training opportunities that are available to folks in different geographies, that would be more like the meta-analysis I was talking about, where I'd want to be able to understand, okay, are folks in the U.S. actually upskilling in these domains through means besides Coursera? And is this really reflective of how the U.S. is using Coursera or is it really about how the U.S. is actually lagging behind other parts of the world in terms of the development of these uh, emerging skills and competencies? I think it's probably a little bit of both, uh, but I think what makes it more sensational and what gave Coursera a little more pickup was the fact that the U.S. is not cutting edge in anything based on this, and we're actually trailing Canada in terms of uh, a leadership position in North America, so like that's the that that's what leads to clickbaity kind of uh, headlines. Uh, even though I think there is some yeah. something real I, to it. I,
2: I mean, if you look at the way the countries are stack up, there's definitely something to the the fact that it's a sampling bias in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a data expert, but I would I would say there has to be there. What I think it's interesting though, right, is that what Coursera is doing, regardless of sampling bias or not, is given the the emerging uh, markets and emerging countries and developing countries the opportunity to get a U.S. style education. Yes. So, typically, as uh, somebody not growing, growing up here, I've always thought uh, up to secondary school or I guess what you guys call high school sure. would be is is a very good education. But uh, growing up in the Caribbean, you always came to the U.S. Uh, for your for your college education. This can change that game, right? Yes. This can make it a lot more a lot less necessary for me to come to the United States mm-hmm. and it can still give me an edge in the workplace wherever I choose to go. So mm-hmm. I think that's what I find very interesting. And this thing you can see it in places like, I think Argentina was top in the list yep. in, in some places and that's a country that values education and is now able to get it yeah. um, from the U S without even moving.
1: Yeah, exactly. And even when we, you know, and in fact, we're about to, uh, do our yearly uh, demystifying data science streaming conference where I think last year we had uh, from our a, a Kaplan company called Metis that does data science boot camps. We had uh, attendees from 140 c- countries. There's only 190 countries ish in the yep. world. So like we had nice coverage in terms of data science uh, skills that folks do want to develop really around the world. And, uh, you know it is a bit of a haves and a have nots kind of conversation, but that divide is becoming a lot narrower and it's becoming a lot narrower 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 because uh digital uh skill development is becoming much more readily accessible, and that's a trend that we're going to continue to see and one we're gonna we, yeah. we would want to continue to track here where at least right now the majority of the course development is still coming out of the The U.S. university system, but then the consumption of that education is really, at least through platforms like Coursera, is becoming more of a global uh, endeavor. And, uh, you know, outside of any sort of, uh, you know, uh, nationalistic pride or shame this may inspire, it is really interesting to think about how education, access to education is becoming more globally available and there's a genuine hunger throughout the globe to get access to that. And uh, particularly, just to build on your point, Melissa, like when it's becoming harder to immigrate to the US, if you can get the equivalent of uh, university education without having to immigrate to to the US, that's a trend that also uh, will be interesting. And it reminds me of the whole in IQ uh, research too, like the whole regional rising, regions besides north america and besides the u.s are going to become increasingly relevant to the future of work and uh sort of the 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 shifting uh power centers around uh emerging technology and uh sort of global relevance that is a sobering yeah. data point for the u.s it, that it, that definitely it, comes it's, through here
2: it's a worrying trend for the u.s right because if i can get the same quality of education and there's a, there's a scarcity of talent in the United States in certain skill sets. We will go abroad to get that skill set. Even U.S. companies will go abroad to get that skill set. Mm-hmm. So you can see tech hubs growing in Argentina, mm-hmm. in Finland, in Ireland, in all all these places. You can see it starting to happen. Mm-hmm. And the, the cost of living in these places right now is less. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the cost for the talent is going to be less. And you can see a very worrying trend where innovation, uh, the U.S. is no longer the innovation hub that it wants was right and so the question is uh, what what do you do if you're the United States and you can see this trend happening and this is what's going to happen what do you do to keep your your workforce educated and upskilled how do you get them to pay more attention to these things
1: yeah no it, it'll be really really interesting to to continue to watch and it's also something I think for us um, to to think about how do we continue to upskill and, and sort of raise awareness within the US of these types of skills. Cause it's not that there aren't people who would be hugely benefited, who would benefit hugely by having access to what Coursera and Linda and these other platforms provide. It's just, they don't have the awareness and the the readiness to lean into online learning and the way that folks in Europe and uh, other emerging markets. Europe really does stand out, at least in terms of Coursera, as uh, Scandinavia in particular. It's always Scandinavia. But but Scandinavia is really... Yeah, they're 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 very much uh, you know leading this trend around leveraging. Uh, they're they're in the cutting edge category consistently, and they're really yeah. leveraging tools like Coursera to upscale.
2: The other interesting thing in this that was how low China was. China was very low; it was in the lagging, and that also for me speaks to maybe a uh, sampling bias mm-hmm. and how many people are in in the the Chinese market because you cannot believe that China would be that far behind.
1: It's the Great Firewall, I would think, uh, yeah, right? So yeah. like, how much? does does China want its own workforce to be developed by a U.S. US. company Coursera versus yes. pushing that skill development through their own means, through like more of a command economy? Like they have the ability to kind of like, if you're if you want a job, you have to take this training that is state sponsored. Yeah. Like we don't really have that in the in the yeah. U.S. Uh, yeah.
2: So, how, if you're Coursera, how do you respond to that though? Because you are. I, I do worry that this will only, they can only make this better if they start to deal with some of those those sampling biases that they, they must have in it or they limit it. Like I don't, maybe, maybe it's not there because maybe they had enough of, uh, like of a data set to get China on the market, but I, I'm a little suspect.
1: Yeah, I'm a little suspect too. Like I feel like this is, uh, in some ways this is almost like an internal strategy deck from Coursera. That is relevant enough to publish as a white paper, yeah. so like to me, this would speak to a lot of uh, you know maybe areas where they already have good market penetration and they 're making an impact, the skills that are most relevant, so they want to source more of that type of content, yeah. but I would say in more the um, the emerging spaces, I think Coursera probably would view that as an opportunity, and uh, I think yeah. if you if we did start aggregating a lot of this data there are opportunities, particularly in the big uh, growing uh, populations. We talked a lot about um, how, uh, you know, Africa and Asia are really where we're going to see the majority of population growth in the next, you know, 70, 80 years. And a lot of that will be uh, seeking, a lot of those people who are emerging are going to be seeking these modern uh, emerging skills. Uh, That's a real market opportunity. And that's a market opportunity that comes without the blinders uh, around all we care about is what happens in the US. Um, and that's something that I think has been a little bit eye-opening even in terms of this show. Like when, we, when we're sort of narrowly domestic in our focus, uh, it's a very different conversation than if we pull back and we yeah. start thinking about the broader global trends that we're witnessing. Uh, but it was interesting to see Coursera go deep on global trends within their platform um, it'd, be, it'd be great if this could be combined with information from LinkedIn and information from uh, you know, other platforms yeah. so that you could get a, a fuller perspective. Um, but still, I think we do what we can with the data we have when yeah. we get it.
2: Yeah, and, and so the cynic in me also knows that Coursera did this as they launched Coursera for business and mm-hmm. they're trying to grow more into that world. So this is very much trained to look at the skill sets that your employees don't have, but the rest of the world is, is coming. So can you upscale them? So right. that's the skin of why they're doing it. That being said, it, it's still interesting data and it's probably directionally correct in a lot of areas
1: yeah and just and real quick maybe while while we're talking um the the three big groupings that they had which i thought was an interesting lens was data science technology and business and interestingly those trends didn't didn't pan out the same way across the globe within each domain so like some some countries and uh some fields did better, really, across the board, but generally it was a mixed bag. Uh, Melissa, just from your perspective, what do you think about those groupings? The fact that there's business, technology, and uh, data science as the three macro groupings that uh, Coursera provided.
2: I mean, it's not it's not surprising to me. So I'll talk a little bit about we we know about the new economy skills. We've been talking about it a lot. Data science sits in that area and everyone's going to be looking at that. So it's no surprise they broke that out. Technology will always be the great equalizer. So there's no... That, that makes sense to me. The interesting grouping about business and what they put into the business category was like, uh, we have all these auditors that we're, we're, we're tracking and so skills that we're tracking. So we're going to group them together mm-hmm. because in that is a mix of like hard finance and accounting skills with things like communication. Mm-hmm. And I think they talk about that perfectly that they think communication is one of those skills that you're always going to need to keep learning, and people are looking for, and then a lot of project management skills as well. So
1: yeah, I what I what I thought was missing to me was like the the cross the the cross section of skills that would be relevant uh, across business, technology, and uh, data science. So like it does feel like, and as Coursera, they could provide this ways to package you know, for a particular type of uh, resource, here's what you would need to be relevant across domains. Because uh, one of the things we've talked a lot about is the need to both have some expertise in depth in particular domains, but also it's extremely relevant to, uh, to be uh, diverse in your understanding of these domains. So like, you don't want to be a data scientist with no knowledge of technology or business and you don't want to be somebody in business with no knowledge of data science or technology. So while I see those groupings as beneficial and somewhat natural in the way yeah. that you're describing, I think you, there's a there's a danger that you start to get siloed in how you think about skill development. That you need to develop either you choose to be a data scientist or a technologist or somebody in business. And I think that can actually be uh, challenging. And I would have liked Coursera, although it's still early, to uh, present tracks that sort of demonstrate uh, how to round yourself out across all three of these domains.
2: What I think is interesting is they're not not doing it in the global skills index, but that is how Coursera started to package themselves as they sell online. So they sell, this is digital transformation, uh, and this is a digital transformation, or this is the managing technologist track, and so you you will imagine that again they're they're sending forty million users and not a lot of data yet. You have to imagine they're going to start doing those cross sectionals as well, yep, because they're tracking those courses, and that's an interesting place where they're going because you can see them also start going to credentialing is the next step for for them as they as they do this, which is you're now certified as a digital transformation expert.
1: Yep. And it's interesting, uh, just to kind of close off on the groupings yeah. part. It is interesting that they didn't really lean into maybe the creative side of skill yeah. development, and uh, maybe that's something that they're not as focused on as a platform. But uh, but like to say like yeah. business is where I cover communication, but there isn't anything around, uh, you know, being able to generate new visual yeah. outputs or being able to uh, to like. You know, be be involved in more of a creative field, like a storytelling, for example. Maybe that, maybe they call that a business skill, but I think it's a bit of a stretch.
2: Yeah, I think it's also not the skills that people are looking for right now, and so they don't have enough data on it. Because I would also, I don't know, I'm not a learned scientist. I think it's also harder to teach creative online. The first person that cracks that, it's going to be an interesting one mm-hmm. to do, but that's going to be a harder skill to teach online. Like how, how can I judge whether this person's a good artist or not? Right. Although I, I can now see Google doing it in, in right. my head. I just saw Google's well, algorithm, we, algorithm to do it.
1: And we did talk to, <laughs> we did talk to Skillshare about yeah, that yeah. Uh, a while back. So like there, you know, it's another one really just around the sampling bias, yeah. like Coursera is really targeting more of yeah. This in particular is targeting businesses, hard skills, quantifiable Mm -hmm. outputs, uh, which will lead in this direction. But it is interesting when we start thinking about the future of work, frequently some of these competencies will actually be automated and transformed in ways that the ability to be an effective storyteller or to be a creative Mm -hmm. visual artist uh, is less likely to be disrupted in the, say, the next five to 10 years.
0: I'll throw a master class is one that I've seen some very good things from a creative space. uh, They're teaching directing and writing and scripting Mm -hmm. uh, from professionals and, and big names out there in the world has gotten very good reviews. Also, we'll point out uh, something we talked about here on the podcast in the, in the past. The program for international student assessment comes back this year. So it's uh, every three years. And that is a global assessment of high schoolers, of so 15-year-olds. So that's another data set that we'll be able to mix in here. It's out in December of uh, 2019. It's all from 2018 data. I think to both of your point, as we get Coursera, and we get Holon IQ, and we get all of these different organizations putting out their data. It's almost incumbent on us to find that cross-section, put all the data sets together and see what we can glean, what the top-level idea is, and what we can really start to learn from all of the different data being put forward, and hopefully get rid of some of the, the data set biases you, you discussed here on yeah, today's and uh, it's
1: always interesting to see which direction uh, PISA is leaning. It is. Uh, plenty still to get
0: to here on the GSI and on Coursera. As always, you can find us over on Twitter at Trending and Ed. Same on Facebook, trendingeducation.com. We want to hear from you. Mike said before uh, if there are topics or things that uh, reports that you're seeing out in the world that you think are worthwhile for us to discuss here on the podcast, please feel free to send us an email or tweet at us or leave us a Facebook message. We would greatly appreciate it. With that said, as always, thanks so much for listening to Trending in Education.